citizens of the verse today is june 7th 2952 and welcome to another episode of citizen cast we are a weekly star citizen podcast here to discuss what's going on in the game and its development i'm your host way too geeky and with me tonight are my two co-hosts there's the space maverick himself mr Chekhov. say hello yes hello that's not a bad call sign there you go space maverick Space yeah, map. Your check off. Come on. Come on. Yeah, no, I got to stay with your class. I could never fly like that. That's impossible. Plus, uh, where would where would you be uh, as a space maverick without your goose? Uh, Mr. Seagard <laughs> Olsen. Right. Hello, right. Seagard. Hello. Please eject me into the canopy. <laughs> Ironically, my brother ejected out of a. Uh, Air Force jet trainer T thirty eight and hit the canopy on the way out. Oof. It it did break his neck. It cracked his helmet also. Oh, got the yeah. He's fine now. Maybe sixties. He's in his sixties. Oh my goodness. Yeah, he has a he has an ejection chair that uh, his ex wife wanted him to get rid of it. He's like, the chair saved my ass. You're going before the chair goes. <laughs> I think it saved his neck. <laughs> yeah. <literally>. <laughs> <laughs> Well, uh, it's good to have you guys back. And look at guys, we we did it. It's it's a week this time. We we did a good job. Yay us! We have a pattern. We did we're, one. We're, we're reestablishing <laughs> a pattern. Let's see if we can stick to it. Um, you know, hi, my name's Geeky, and I have a podcast problem. I skip <laughs> episodes. Yes, uh, especially anyway. in the summer. Yeah. Yeah, well, hopefully it'll calm down. It's been calming down for me, so it should be easier. Um, so what have you guys been up to this past week in the verse? Seaguard, what have you been doing besides testing that. your weird facial facial tics? Yeah, I've been trying to, I have been the last two days trying to get the face cam uh, to work better. Um, face over IP. And, and I really, there's a, a guy who had a great little set of instructions. I, need to, I didn't have him right next to me when I was just setting up today. But for a while, I had it. It was interesting. He says you go to black and white, and uh, and it works better if you're in black and white. There's certain other things you have to do. So I am uh, hmm. playing with that. But a lot of my stuff has been cargo. Uh, been trying. You know, I'm like uh, you know Christopher Columbus, looking for the uh, better trade routes and uh, you know, all those great adventures. But uh, just been. Carrying cargo, trying to expand on a route that I currently use for scrap and close it up so I have a circular route with no dead spots. Uh, oh, I think hard. that's the route that I heard was with scrap. Yeah, scrap's okay. Scrap does a good job. Nice. Like, I have several individual smaller routes like that are short and they make good money. I, I, they're not the 100,000, like, you know, I made 200,000 in five minutes hauling, you know, blah, blah, blah. I don't do that. I'm not that competent, but, uh, you know, fluorine and astatine and scrap and, um, you know, there's quite a few of them out there you can make a regular runs with. So, but they're short, right? They're, two, you know, five minutes out, five minutes back, you land on the planet. You start on the planet, you land back on the same planet. That's just boring. Uh, so I'm working the outer the outer stations, uh, like the if you're looking at the star map, the ones on the bottom between like area um, or uh, 
Area 18 and uh, Crusader, and then the other way, Crusader um, up to QL4 and in towards Lorville and uh, then on to Microtech or Area 18. So not just straight across the middle, you know, Lorville to, uh, or Hurston to Crusader. That's, uh, okay. Yeah, cool. So that's what I've been doing. Mr. Chekhov, how about yourself? Yeah, those are kind of tough. Uh, I don't know. I guess you got to have the patience for those routes. Yeah. We, we're lazy. You know, still nothing has proven better than Bezdek to Laurel so far. Yeah. Yeah. I, I literally carried a, a Taurus load of, you know, I have C2s and everything, which is what I run a lot. But I carried a Taurus load of scrap the other day, and I made just about as much as I would on a three-box haul with a, a you know, an Aurora. Mm-hmm. About 10000 yeah, <laughs> that's, that, uh, that's the profit, right? That's the profit. You're 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 risking, you know, a hundred thousand dollars in cargo to make a ten thousand dollar profit. Yeah, it's great. I'm sorry, <laughs> I, uh, we we can't get out of bed for less than a hundred. Sorry. Yeah, I I'm mean that's saying. a ten percent <laughs> margin's not that phenomenal. It's not yeah, that good, to yeah. be honest. Well, yeah, the shorter same. routes, the shorter routes. I mean, in a C two, I can make uh, legitimate. I can make forty thousand a run. Mm-hmm. And that's not bad. Florentine and Astatane, I can make more. So I can make close to probably 60000 After, nice. I mean, after cost and after getting my investment back. That's true profit. So nice. It's just boring. Yeah, no, it is, but the, the Laronite and the titanium combo in a Caterpillar at 750000 investment, you're typically bringing back. Depending on the mixture of laronite to titanium, between ninety and a hundred thousand. So you're risking more. You are risking more. I, you know, I did find that. um, I and I were, you know, there's a couple of us doing this. uh, You know, Ohm and Skyguard and uh, and even Hamar has been, you know, listening in and helping. There are certain routes which are very conducive to the medium and smaller ships. That they just are. Like Laronite, you can always go somewhere and find a certain amount of Laronite, right? You may not get, you may not see 100 boxes or 100 SCU, but you could see maybe six boxes or seven boxes. And that's good for an Aurora or, a, you know, it's a CL or something like that. Um, you can just keep plugging away, low cost for the runs, doing it over and over. And again, you're going to make some money, so... It's always always going to have something there. Mm, definitely. Yeah. Uh, Chekhov, what have you been doing in game? Um, mostly, but I guess bounties lately because we're trying to build up each other's reputation. So we're taking group bounties, just uh, testing out different ships, weapons, because they've gotten quite a bit tougher, the NPCs. So you really can't do them alone. You can, but it's very difficult, so we're uh, kind of teaming up and um, primarily doing doing bounties. Excellent. I myself have been doing hauling the Laronite Titanium run, uh, yeah. Yeah. as well. That's a good as, route. Yeah, in yeah. my my Carrick, uh, and then um, I've also done some exploration, which I'll talk about a little bit later. Mm-hmm. Interesting. 
Um, yeah, so this past week in the verse, not a, a hugely eventful week. ISC uh, was back, and this episode was featuring a lot of what we will be seeing in 3.17.2, uh, which where they talked about missions. So uh, they're going to be adding illegal missions for um, delivery and box missions. Um, you know, the whole idea is that you'll start out having to do some of the more legal missions and move to more gray areas until you can build up enough rep to take on the fully illegal missions. Uh, obviously with the rewards will come some risks. Uh, those being, you know, when you take an illegal delivery mission, you might encounter other players, maybe even people who are more likely to kill you and steal your box. Um, or, uh, the fact that you're more likely to be interdicted more often by the authorities. Uh, they said that they'll be varying the package sizes as well uh, to make it a little bit more interesting and include variety. Uh, and then the second half of the episode, they talked about service beacon changes. Um, they're going to be making changes to the combat service beacons uh, to include more variety, as well as to have more information up front for you to choose what missions to take. So now they'll range in one to ten, from one to ten in terms of difficulty. And, um, you know, that could be anything from like a simple mission all the way through to something where you might want to bring a group because you can't complete it by yourself. Uh, they said that the target for those changes will be are, is for 317.2 as well, but they haven't committed to that yet. So that was uh, ISC. What are your thoughts, uh, Seaguard? Exciting stuff? Was this a good episode for you? What yeah, you it was a good episode. I, I'm pretty excited about any time you start getting into the missions and... Uh... Uh, I think that's a level of maturity also, you know, compared to the technology, um, mm -hmm. you know, designing all those missions and making them so that they're not just repeatable over and over and the same. It's, it's cool. Yeah, so definitely. I, I do like that stuff. I would, yeah. I tell you what I'd love to see is I'm, I'd like to see some of them in court incorporate, you know, teams of alien ships since we're coming in alien week. Mm -hmm. you know, could you imagine pulling in and seeing prowlers and super parakeets flying around. You know. <laughs> they, look, mean, they, I, they do look like parakeets. They look like... They do. Peck, uh, not peckers. <laughs> Woodpeckers. <laughs> they look like uh, parakeets. Parrots, not, that's what I was trying not to think. Uh, we're not yeah. too explicit yet. <laughs> I, don't think. I think we're good to say not explicit still. Yeah, I think um, that would be great. Yeah, uh, they do definitely look like dive bombing parrots um, or parakeets. Uh, what about you, Chekhov? What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, episode? I mean, I love it. They they're legitimizing the piracy game. Finally, it's uh, you know it's getting to a point like you know you can now you can use an MSR, maybe hide some boxes, you know, do those mm -hmm. runs, you know, they're uh, you know because. Right now, if you if you're a pirate, you're kind of an outlaw. The CIG is not supporting the game loop, so now you actually can take some missions, build up that reputation. That's what you want to do. Uh, it's going to be very interesting to see what's going to come out of it. Plus, you're going to have to defend yourself. So yeah. you know you're going to need either an escort or think about what you're flying when you're doing right. those missions. Here's here's hoping they make them valuable enough for players who are going to do them so that, you know, it's not just 
right uh like let's make it a box mission but let's add to it if you're gonna add the gameplay don't yeah. just make it hey here's bad guy box mission well right um, exactly i can be you know in a c2 and expect to defend myself carrying a whole lot of cargo yeah it has to be you know smaller boxes that i can put on a fighter or or a yeah. smaller ship that i can at least defend myself yeah um, it is, I do know it's probably smaller. The The one thing I also thought was interesting is unlike the other box delivery missions, I think more than one player can take this. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there's chances of competition. What I'm curious about, you mentioned the MSR, and I don't know if anyone's ever tested this before or not. Um, but... Uh, do we know if the cargo hold the, you know, the hidden cargo location, if that shield's scanning right now? It did in the past. It did? Yeah. We put stuff in there, we were stopped, and they uh, let us go. They didn't stop anything, or didn't uh, bust us. But that was a while back. We may want to test it again. I have have an MSR. We could always um, just take and put anything, like, you know, it could just be illegal illegal box or something and store it in the um in the shielded cargo and see if another player can scan the ship that would be interesting yeah i've got a couple places that have don't ask don't tell terminals (laughs) oh that's right yeah yeah so um i thought you were like what do we call them clinton terminals or something yeah, one uh, mm-hmm. of the what's the real name of it? You're right because that's the old army motto, don't it? Or, uh, <laughs> don't <ask those> <laughs> it's a bad <laughs> month to start talking about that one. See, oh, yeah, I, know. <laughs> I know what is it um, called? Uh, uh, no questions asked. That's it. No yeah. Um, you know, I think these types of missions feel like they're starting to gear up for Pyro, to be quite honest, because imagine when you have to make the delivery into Pyro. Right. right. Um, so right. that'll be fun. Uh, plus, you notice the flare. Sorry to sort of, I mean, we have the Ninetales lockdown um, coming up or not lockdown, but the Ninetales mission on um, Crusader. But then... Also, the flair for this month is um, Ninetales paraphernalia. Yeah. Um, and one thing I didn't realize, and I noticed it in the description of the paraphernalia, was I didn't realize that the Ninetales are still technically a pyro gang, even though they have a base here in Stanton. I didn't know that either. I thought they were a Stanton gang. Um, so I don't know. Because Grim Hex is under their control, is it not? Yes. Technically? Mm-hmm. Yes. So, yeah. Maybe they'll change that and move them to um, Pyro once Pyro's live and then just have Grim Hex be closer yeah. to like a... Like a um, why can't I think of it? <laughs> Um, begins with an L. We don't have it in our system anymore. Uh, Levski. Levski, thank you. Maybe more like a Levski. I would it? agree with that. I would. Uh, yeah, I, um, I like Grim Hex, but I mean, it's uh, it's a one 
It's just one place, right? Yeah. Well, you know me. Well, maybe you wouldn't predict what I would say, but I don't like Grim Hex because it is ugly. It's moody and cool. Like, I like it from that standpoint. Like, I'm like, oh, this is so cool. But I can't stand, like, for instance, Port Alisar. Why do they have so much trash in Port Alisar? It's supposed to be the premier port in space in the Stanton system, the gateway to Crusader. Right. Right. You would think that's that's why I think when they do relaunch Port Alisar, they'll probably make it nice and shiny and new. Grimax is convenient, though. It's the most convenient that you could set your image to. I mean, getting sure. in and out is quick. Yeah. I just don't like it. <laughs> yeah. Um, like I said, it smells like me. It's funny, though, because I love Levski. Even though Levski has some grime to it, it's not really. It just feels more like a... It feels like a, a moodier, cooler place. Right. So I can't right. wait for that to come back. Well, Grim Hex, well, except for the, I guess, the gambling area, they did do a rehaul on it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it looks cool. I just don't like, you know, I'm not, you know what I like when it's gritty is I like my Batman gritty. I don't like <laughs> my Star Citizen locations yeah. gritty. Right. I like they, the shiny. They, they, they put a hospital on, on PO. That would be ideal. Yeah. I mean, I can't believe we still don't have a new PO. They must be waiting for something. Or maybe they just don't have the team allocated towards it right now. Yeah, I guess in the bigger scheme of things, probably not a priority. Mm, I guess we'll see what when when they manage that. On the plus side, you know it's not going to be just like Port Tressler or the others because they could have easily done that already. It probably will be more of a hero location than what, what those other stations are. Um, uh, this week, last week, we didn't have a Star Citizen Live because of, uh, it is, what was it called? The Queen's Jubilee in the UK. So, um, we didn't get that this week, uh, tomorrow, Wednesday, we'll be seeing updates to the roadmap, um, as well as those who don't get the Squadron 42 newsletter, um, we'll get the monthly report as a comm link. Uh, and then Thursday, Inside Star Citizen, uh, will feature uh, Ninetales. Um, so primer on Ninetales. Don't know what it is, but it says to prepare you for 3.17.2. Uh, plus a look at changes coming to the commodity kiosk later this year. So I'm looking forward to that one. Um, Friday, they will have a Star Citizen Live. They have yet to announce... Uh, what it'll be about. So I guess we'll see. If I had my guess, I bet you it's the lore team. I wouldn't mind that, though. I don't mind the lore team. I just don't like... I just don't like the game dev ones. Every once in a while, they're decent, but I just don't like them. It's just for an hour. If they did them in a half hour, maybe I'd watch it, or 20 minutes. But an hour of just like sitting there watching someone do this like very micro stuff just doesn't doesn't interest me as much as you'd think maybe the concept ones like jeremiah lee is probably the most interesting but it helps that he and jared have all that banter yeah all righty so moving along uh last week 
we did also get the monthly reports for Squadron and the the PU, respectively. I didn't pull a ton out of the monthly report, but there were a few things that that stood out to me um, that I wanted to talk about. Um, so first and foremost, they mentioned um, finally working on a new mission giver. Um, my question is, is it going to be one of the mission givers that we were supposed to have in, you know, either Eddie Parr or Gibbs and Batista for Crusader? Um, you know, or is it someone else for Pyro? Who knows? They didn't right. say where the, where the mission giver is located. Um, they also have another unannounced ground vehicle coming up. We don't know what it is, uh, but it's, it's moving its way through the pipeline. The Argo SRV began production, uh, in the pipeline. So I'm going to go out on a limb and say, maybe it's to help tow ships that did, couldn't get fuel <laughs> in Pyro. Right. Um, <laughs> the community team's working on a new community hub. Um, cause, um, my understanding is the current one's not very good. Um, the, I think it's the Montreal team is working on interiors as well as the improvements to the Lorville skyline. So that's exciting. Hopefully those interiors include not just missions, but maybe other interesting things. Uh, and they talked about the reworked quantum travel. And one of the things, uh, if, if you guys watch, um, Salty Mike, you'll notice a lot of these are ones that he discussed because that's where I pulled it from, <laughs> to be quite oh, honest. Okay. I did read the report, but I just listened to him and just jotted down anything I found interesting. Uh, but he posits, you know, they talk about it from the, the look and feel of it, but they mention entering, traveling, and exiting. And he's like, I wonder if they're going to change up quantum travel in any way. Because they did, they mentioned specifically gameplay, even though they talked about mm. it from a VFX perspective. So I guess we'll see what happens there. Uh, any did did either of you uh, check out the monthly report this? Uh, I this saw week? something. I did, and I, I saw something about the um, Hurston re, being redone. Mm-hmm. They're like trying to expand the great ground play areas. Did you see that? Um, it's. My understanding was at least the the big change to Hurston is the skyline is going to look more realistic because if you look at the cities, Hurston is the hardest one to tell scale and it doesn't feel, it feels off compared to the other locations. Um, you know, it's easy with Arcorp because it's one big city planet, but then you look at something like New Babbage where they made a really good sort of sprawling city with what what you can tell are different almost like mini centers or neighborhoods and even the same thing with with crusader you know it feels very real um compared to you know loreville seems a little fake to me especially that clearly the quality of the assets of the buildings are completely different because you know the the difference main difference being you look at Lorville, they never design the buildings to look good when you get close to them. So mm-hmm. they never give you the opportunity to look, get close to the buildings that aren't part of the core location. Whereas with Microtech, they do. And so, and the assets look a lot better. Gotcha. So 
but I didn't I didn't notice anything about more explorable locations, but maybe. I mean that's I do know that's what the building interiors are for, and I'm sure it'll apply to Lorville. I think it's about being able to procedurally generate building interiors. That's that would be that would be cool. Because that is good those are good points. I hadn't really thought through that through. Well, and my my guess is part of that could even be for additional types of player housing and or org offices and or, you know, player owned locations. Yeah. So I and guess we'll see. We've got that. That will be so much fun. Yeah. Super exciting. I mean, no matter what, anytime you could spin up something quickly is exciting to me. Uh, what about you, Chekhov? Did you, I'm no, going to go out on a limb? Yeah. <laughs> no, that one for sure not. I mean, no it's like, uh, at least they get those, but not, no, not yeah. monthly report. I, I did start reading the, the, the letter, though. I have to say I got halfway through it. So. Oh, yeah. It's a pretty long... Yeah. Um, it's a pretty long letter, but it is really great. It's a uh, good it's, thing you're reading good, through. Yeah, it's good content. Yeah. Um, cool. Well, I mean, I, I already shared my feelings. So uh, let's go through uh, some tips and tricks. I We didn't get any submissions this week for mm. tips and or tricks. Anybody have any suggestions? Tips and tricks. Well, here's one tip. I not it's a huge tip, but if you are looking for some nine uh, nine tail uh, outfits, take some bunker missions, and you will definitely find some down there. Just gotta kill a couple of bad guys, and you get a full nine tail wear. Really nice black suits with those special nine tail masks. Oh, so it's the new jackets. outfits. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, cool. I didn't realize they populated the bunkers with those now, too. Yeah. Yeah. They are. You, you got to They're not in loot. They're, at least I didn't find them. In the loot boxes, you actually have to kill them and then loot the, uh, yeah. the NPC. Yeah, because why would the bunker have Ninetales stuff in it anyway? Yeah, no. Yeah, that, that Still, it's good that they changed that because I hated the Ninetales. Um, you know, that that bright light turquoise and then the the red looked yeah. kind of stupid it was uh, easy to tell who the nine tails were though right agreed but now it seems like it'll be even easier agreed what about you seaguard any tips uh, and or tricks you know i just um i i'm finding uh as i i'm trying to improve my landings so I actually, and my new joystick is working out pretty good. But uh, I really have found that I like using the, instead of moving my throttle all the time, I tend, I'm lucky I have two little rotary knobs. But mm -hmm. the idea is that I can just adjust my, my um, thrust limiter or my speed limiter and my uh, thrust limiter for vertical and and, uh, you know, sync rate and, uh, and lift. And I found that I can do much, much better, much more gentle landings by doing it that way. So basically you come in, you know, you get pretty close, request your landing, and then go to about half throttle, and then just use your speed limiters to further control you even to a finer level. Um, and then as you get really slow, 
you know, as you get really close to where you want to be, you basically pull your throttle all the way back and then, um, then just use your thrust limiter and reduce it until the ship just starts to drop nice and gently. And just before it touches, you turn it back up a notch and it just settles in super, super smooth. So mm-hmm. Now, occasionally you get it wrong. And I did the uh, one and a half bounce method the other day. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it generally works really well. Um, and it works well in wind, believe it or not. Oh, nice. But I don't know why. I don't. I just, it just kind of settled just straight down. So cool. Yeah. That's cool. Oh, there's actually one more tip. I always uh, talk about it in game, but no one seems to use it. It's a pretty cool, uh, it's just a cool feature. It's called the Enable Cinematic Camera. It's for, it's on the missile binds. And what it does, it, it gives you actually, it's sort of like a third person camera will follow your missile once you launch it. It'll mm-hmm. follow it and all the way to the target. And it's, well, obviously, if you hit the target, it looks really good. But it's sort of like you, you're you watching a movie uh, of your missile kind of yeah. blasting something. Yeah. I've, I've, they used to have it um, where if you just held the button down, because, you, you know, then yeah. it would, that would do mm-hmm. the camera. You could do both. You, there's, oh, you could either toggle it or you could hold it. But one word of caution. Obviously, while you, you look at your cinematic view, you could be under attack at the same time because you're not seeing who's attacking you at that point. Yeah, yeah. Got to be very careful. Yeah. Um, I myself do not have any tips and or tricks, but um, you know it does bring us for everyone's favorite segment I, I just had a question why is it everyone's favorite segment when we never have anything uh it's not it's everyone's not. favorite segment i just think it's 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 well i mean i can't speak for everyone um i just think it's because we have theme music for the segment that i always yeah. say it <laughs> um, we didn't get any submissions for this. Um, does anyone have anything they did for science this week? Let's no, see. because we actually have to go out of our way, and we're lazy, and we're making money instead of doing things for science. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm trying. Well, I tried to figure out the lighting on the interior of the hallway, uh, but- <laughs> And I feared about the lighting, but it does seem like there's a bug with the door. There, there is there is good lighting when you set you take a match, you pour some gasoline in the hallway, <laughs> you set it on fire. It's great lighting. <laughs> I keep forgetting he's not a big fan of the hallway. He is so cute when he gets riled. Wait, 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 can I tell you something? <laughs> and I and I can't even spawn the ship. It's bugged on me, so they <laughs> took it away from me anyway. <laughs> I guess well, because they, they knew. Bad mouth and great. They knew what a little you know what you've been. Right. <laughs> That's right. You've been a bad boy. A bad, bad, bad channel. Can I tell you something? I do like it for the for, for two reasons. A, this, the uh, the uh, what is it? The claim time is like under a minute, and I can claim it down on the planet. So th- those are the two great qualities. Yeah, I, nice. I tell you, for quantum fuel, it uses like none. Yeah, yeah that's it's really true. it does really really well on quantum fuel, and it 
And it is kind of a nice little ship that just flies. I mean, it flies remarkably well. Um, I kind of like that about it. Um, you know, I guess that would be, I mean, that would be the big thing for me. But I think there's a, you know, I think for the, it's a gold standard ship, right? And I, I like the way they do the lights, but there's no real explanation of what the lights are. There's just kind of bright, and then there's kind of a uh, floor lighting, I think. And then you can go to a green or a red, but I don't know why you would do that. Um, and then, the, you know, the back door, which is part of the airlock, right? The middle section of the ship is basically the airlock. Um, you can't seem to open the crew quarters automatically. You can't just you know, walk through the door. You have to actually stop, hit the button. If you got the lock feature on, you have to unlock the door, then hit the button. Um, and then it has a little icon at the bottom that either shows open when it's open or close when it's closed. And I think that icon is helpful if you couldn't see the doors, but the doors are right in front of you. So I'm pretty sure I could see they were closed before I looked at the little icon. <laughs> so it just doesn't make sense. Uh, so that was some of my stuff. Okay, cool. Yeah, speaking I... of lighting, we've, oh, sorry. Next, you know, speaking of lighting, I always forget to mention it, but, you know, I hate the, the inconsistency in the, the headlights, you know? I mean, the yeah. ship, there's some ships are so, so bright, and then there's some that virtually have no lights at all. I mean, I yeah. wish they could just kind of, you know, I, and I love bright lights. I mean, there's nothing better, you know, especially half the time with flying at night. You know? Yeah, I agree. And I think they should be real bright. Like you should be, should like a lot of ships should have some sort of like spotlight or something, especially, you know, I like exploration ships should have spotlights, <laughs> but, uh, I personally actually did something for science. Um, yeah. So a couple things, um, what it's sort of one big thing, I think, yeah. So, uh, first and foremost, I finally found the river. Oh, that's finally. Right. Yes. So I left from, from, uh, I, I took my Carrick, I loaded up my Ursa Rover and my Pisces, and I left from New Babbage, and I, I flew up to 20,000 feet, flew uh, at a heading of 205. Uh, at 20,000 feet, dropped down at around 420 to go down to four, 440 uh, kilometers away from New Babbage and found it immediately. It was, a, it was like pre-dawn, so the, the sunlight wasn't hitting the ground yet. And for some reason, the water was really reflective and I saw it just immediately. Um, so I thought that was cool. And I actually landed my Carrick in a clearing and then took my Pisces along, um, the river to see, um, you know, along the entire river to just see the path and everything. And I got out and took a look from different angles and everything. And it's quite nice. Um, it's not a very long river. I think it's eight kilometers. Um, but it was or around there, um, but it was pretty cool and very scenic. And I can't wait till they populate more of them in more locations and um, make them look even more realistic. Um, 
when I finished that, a bunch of people quantum to me because they hadn't seen the river before either, uh, including Snorkel and um, a few others. Uh, and uh, so I'm there and I forgot why. So I, I, I went underwater in my helmet and everything, and that was great. Um, you know, nothing too crazy to see, but that opens up the thought of like what what could happen down the road. Um, but for some reason, what did I do? Did you go fly fishing? No, I I died, but I forgot why I died. Oh yeah, I remember you saying you did die. Oh, uh, I was um, going to take the Ursa rover to see if it would cross the sh like a more shallow end of the water. And I hit the, you know, it started to get deep and my Ursa just exploded. Uh, so I died, spawned back in my Carrick bed. And then I didn't have an extra suit in my Carrick. So I said, okay, let me fly my Pisces over. I thought ships could float since they said ships won't explode when they hit the water. So I went to go land my Pisces. Uh, oh, and I died a couple times trying to recover my body by like just quickly getting it and throwing my outfit back on. Uh, it didn't work. Uh, so I flew the Pisces over and landed so that I, I tried to essentially retrieve my body from above the surface. Um, and my Pisces exploded. So there you go. They explode still um with water so don't don't land on the water just you could walk through it as long as you have a helmet on um and you could look at it from the side but do not land your ship on it it will explode i don't know if it happens with bigger ships but i wouldn't test it uh so that's my for science this week um now uh, last week, Seagard asked the following question. Uh, burritos, water, and other items are priced close to our real-world U.S. dollar. What do you think the average MPC will earn per year? How much do you think the average player should earn per year? Um, Ursican started with, the average MPC will be paid two burritos per day. Uh, I'm going to mm -hmm. guess they live in Moorville. That's right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> in the worker village. Um, Noctis Actual said the average NPC should earn 100 to 500 UEC a day, skill level dependent. It would make sense if they are expected to pay for some things unless it is less to do about their use of money and just your payments to, to simulate their needs. I am fine if they don't go to the deep in simulation with NPCs when it comes to their spending needs. I'd rather have the core functions of hiring, firing, cross-training, watching them work on tasks, normal management gameplay st of staff morale, and squad combat alongside me. Uh, if we expect CIG to go much deeper in their own finances, I think we need to get our priorities evaluated. Maybe after the game officially launches and people really care about uh, about it should consider making it a part of gameplay. I would much rather have CIG focus on stuff to do with our NPC crew in our hangars when they come back. Um, I understand that. 
good that point. Was, yeah. yeah, that was that's uh, it's a good point. Yeah, uh, Mr. Nick Norell said, oh, "I good. hope hey, we dude. have." Yeah, where have you been, Nick? Well, maybe uh, maybe it's more him asking where have I been because we're just not on at the same times. Um, he said, "I sure hope we have a better economic system than today's mess." Nine hundred. Uh, 930 years from now. Contrary to what may be popular belief, 930 years in the past, they had something worse. This thing evolves. Alrighty. I hope so too, Nick. (laughs) Um, Are you losing my mind, said. If you look at at the kinds of jobs available to players, the kinds of ships they have, the kind of money we make, and the way we make money, Players are in the entrepreneur class of society, a smaller number of well-to-do people who make their money freelancing by providing goods and services as a small business. Entrepreneurs make well more than the average, but they also make way less than your established billionaires who are the heads of already defined brands. Your average MPC will probably make around 100K a year, which seems right based on the cost of living we currently see. Uh, obviously some will make more and others a lot less, but the player is a different animal since his or her money is always in flux and can be lost completely on the next venture. But overall, I would expect the average player to make millions in an in-game year. Uh, that's, that's a great point. Are you losing my mind? I think we sort of even touched on that last week with players are supposed to not be necessarily, um, the average person. Yeah, because we can afford ships, you know, and and not everyone in the Star Citizen universe can afford ships. Uh, Strikeout Actual says, I would say 100K per year sounds correct, unless you are unlucky and live in Moraville. Those plastic bag wearing folks look like they only average 35K a year. And I think that's with inflation. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> They're probably paying off blood debts to the Hurston family. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, that's like modern day serfdom. Uh, Noctis Actual said, it would be cool to see what it would be like to earn money on an AI ship as a player just being an extra hand alongside other AI. This would be a fun game loop or safety net for players who lost everything trying to get back on their feet. I agree. Uh, agree. would be a fun loop. Mm-hmm. Uh, Noctis, the other thing, and I don't, I'm sure they will have AI cruise ship and everything, but, um, the other thing that they said is they're, they're trying to create, uh, little things on stations and in locations like planets so that you can do sort of like, um, almost like task rabbit missions in, uh, in the game. So like you'll see areas. Yeah. Like repairing vending machines, et cetera. You'll see a lot of areas where that type of gameplay is potentially present, but not there yet. A lot of the unauthorized access areas, they even specifically mentioned something about, um, the, um, what's it called the platform the construction platform in uh, crusader uh having having a gameplay for like repair and or other functionality uh in the future so uh cool stuff yeah i agree that would be great uh canuck 2099 said warning wall of text um we expect nothing less of you canuck um he said it 
I will take the question in a different direction because as much as we talk economy, we all understand it as a game. But just like other games, be it PC MMOs to tabletop D&D, players are always disproportionately rich compared to the NPCs that surround them. We are also disproportionately paid for tasks because this, there is a requirement for disproportionate progression. Just looking at a low skill task like delivery missions, that's 8,000 credits for 20 IRL minutes equals 100 in-game minutes. Doing the math on that, which I will not type out, that means the lowly NPC delivery guy working full-time dropping boxes makes about 9.6 million UEC a year minus expenses. Clearly, players make way more than they should, right. uh, but that is the nature of games. It's not the uh, imaginary in-game economy that will determine what NPCs make because CIG needs to pay its players so they can progress. Rather, it's more a question of how much UEC will NPCs need to draw from player profits and therefore economy to meet player earning slash hour expectations or earning per hour expectations. Uh, yeah, that's a great point. Um, anyone have any comments on, on your question, Seagard, or any of the comments? I, I thought it was a great question. I, yeah, I liked, I liked all the answers. I mean, for me, it was a, a question of the economy, right? Yeah. Supposedly one to nine, nine NPCs, and they're competing with us on a, an aggressive basis, right? Um, so I was thinking, you know, that somewhere out there, there's got to be an NPC mining as hard as we are or harder and making as much money. Mm. <clears throat> I don't know if it's one out of 20. I don't know if it's one out of 300. But, uh, you know, pirates are the same way, right? You got to have a level pilot, you got, or pirates, you got to have high level pirates. So I was, re I'm, I'm intrigued, and I'm wondering how they're going to do it. Um, you know, even with the quanta, mm -hmm. uh, because it is not. Um, corporations could certainly do it, and then pay people, right? Um, which means you could also get a job with a company and drive their ships, or drive your ship and haul their cargo with you know no expenditure on your side. Uh, there's a lot of different ways, but uh, I, it really did seem, it seemed funny that the water and everything was closed, but then you look at the cost of like a 890 jump, you know, <laughs> I almost think it would be even higher, right? <laughs> I, mean, <laughs> uh, I guess the last thing on it is, is you know, I, I are we going to see, a, I really wonder, are we going to see a bunch of 890 jumps that are NPC driven, or is it going to be mostly, you know, people driving those from real life and uh, you know not that not the in not the 90 jump not that it's a bad ship i'm just saying is it you know is that going to be where everyone wants to go and all the npcs want to go also yeah. so i yeah. So, yeah go ahead yeah, also i think right now we have like a very i would say like a uh a basic economy right and and they and the very um, dumb game look, right? So right. it's not very skill-based, you know? So it's not, you can master any trade, right? You can b basically master mining, you can master cargo hauling, uh, it, it, uh, you can master, well, uh, the only one that really skilled more so than anything out there is like uh, a complex like PvE, right? It, it could be. 
potentially. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, PvP certainly is. But I, I think uh, uh, we need that complexity where there, there should be that chess type of uh, randomizer, right? So people start figuring things out, right? How do you, you know, how do you earn more money in real life? When you invent something, you're very smart, whatever, you write a program. So something similar has to start the, you know, and I'm sure it's not going to come now, but besides just simply quanta, where it's sort of supply and demand, there's got to be some, uh, you know, components, whether it's salvage related, it's data running related, but they have to be quite a bit more advanced where certain players will start figuring things out and start earning quite a bit more than others, which is great. I mean, because you've figured things out, you know, exactly. and I, I haven't played a lot of those craft, but from what I understand, there's some games out there that you have to craft, you know, a certain, you know, weapons and it's very difficult to do so. And then by you doing that, you level up really high. So, so some sort of a process like that built into the game. Yeah, I agree. I, I also, you know, the other thing that drove that was that, you know, I tend to be a hauler and I like to haul things around, right? So it just seems to me that, you know, we see food food and commodities. I, you know, I, I just have to believe that the most populated planets would be demanding huge amounts of food be brought to them or water, right? Like, uh, you know, you know, you know, Crusader. I mean, how are they getting water? <clears throat> like they could be mm -hmm. pulling it out of the air. It's a gas giant. I get it, but, um, but you know, what are the things that you need to sustain life for large groups? Um, you know, and that's what should be driving that transportation. The bands of this huge yep. population of nine people for every one of us should be drawing where yeah, the routes exactly. are. Well, mm -hmm. just like right, I'll give you an example, or even for hauling, right? So let's say they need water and orphanage, for example, right? But or, or water is only needed at a certain day and time when there's other ingredients that come together to make uh, uh, some sort of a drug or commodity. And now you got to figure out, okay, well, and uh, otherwise that water is worthless, right? When you bring it there, but it is needed there because now if you brought the water there, you got paid the highest dollar because that's when they needed it. But if you late, that's it. It's all done. Somebody else made it, you know, because right. all the ingredients are there. It's a volatile product. You know, it's illegal. It's got to leave. So they make it, they sell it, it's out. So if they start creating these kind of, you know, time-based loops, location-based loops, where you have to start figuring things out, and, and, and the randomizer has to be in there. It can't be always the same. People can't just figure out, okay, well, if I do X, Y, Z, always going to know. It's going to, um, you know, today it's going to be like that. And tomorrow, the same thing is going to happen on microtech, right? And you got to start figuring out these patterns, you know? That would be really cool. Right. Yeah. Right. I I also think where, you th where you'll see some of the, in some respects, the, the skill won't necessarily be the tangible activity itself, but your ability to understand the, the entire end-to-end -end process or ecosystem for example if you're a miner you have a lot of decisions to make when it comes to what you do with the output 
well, or, or a lot of different things. So, right. Uh, one, what's, what's trading high from a commodity standpoint, what's easy to refine, what's cheap to refine, mm-hmm. what, um, or what, what sells unrefined better. Right. Right now we have a basic loop with the refining component, but long term, that's not going to be the case. Is it better to partner up with someone who's refining and uh, own the process from that end to that end and then sell it off to someone uh, who will deal with trading it across systems or across locations? Is it better to have an org where you're owning um, the mining, refining selling and trading right um right. you know cargo hauling uh, all those things might come into play in a way that's that's a lot more complex than any one individual component of the system uh and then there's the whole timing of it in which point you know the economy could shift a little bit i don't think it'll shift the same way it does right now oh my goodness sweet lord my cat just laid the most disgusting smelling thing mm-hmm. i've ever smelled Oh my God! Yeah, and and just to exactly what you're saying, like if you look at the, you should also look at the players. Like, give an example, Flavius. Flavius sort of perfected the mining uh, loop the way it exists today by by maximizing the mall's ability, right? You know, single-handedly. You know, he figured out exactly which clusters he needs and where and what lasers and gadgets he needs, so he can single-handedly. You know, maximize that that uh, you know profitability of that mall. So yeah, if I think if they look closely what the players are doing, they certainly can can build on that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I agree. So it's funny, uh, my I have a okay. new question for this week that ties in. Oh, yes. So the question for this is, um, it's something we haven't really heard a lot about of a, a lot about in the game, and that's the manufacturing gameplay. So, so here's the question: Do you want manufacturing gameplay uh, being added to the game? This is like I buy sand, I have a small place, I can turn it into bricks. I take bricks, add them with, you know, bonding powder, and I build homes. Okay, uh, you know it's that escalating tier of adding things together. Um, that's different than science, which is I take X, Y, add heat, and hopefully I get new, new, you know, more powerful gun or something, mm-hmm. uh, or discover information about the sun, or, you know, things like that. The second part of the question is: Do you envision crop farming, and will it be similar to manufacture? In other words, you have you need dirt, you need seeds, you need water, you need fertilizer. Right. Mm-hmm. Very similar style of, but it can be done in one area. Yeah. Versus manufacturing you where you may need assembly lines. Right? Um, so if I can encapsulate, or I guess just to confirm that I'm hearing you correctly, are you asking listeners whether or not they want crafting in game? Or what they envision crafting to look like in the Star Citizen, you they know, what want, they envision the game loop. Do they want crafting or manufacturing in game? And I'll put it that way: crafting. I, I consider crafting almost like science, but um, 
crafting output crafting slash man or manufacturing. Yeah, I mean, I guess the difference being crafting in I always think of it from the other MMO that I used to play a lot, which was Star Wars Galaxies, where it was right. literally you're you're like creating shirts and items to sell on the market. Right. It's just at a smaller scale. It's a one to one scale. So it's like, you know, artisanal. <laughs> right. You're right. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. So that you you have the question correctly. Okay, cool. Because yeah. we've heard a little bit about farming, but we haven't heard anything about manufacturing. Excellent. And I've been with the game a long time, so. That's a great, um, I, I have some thoughts, but we'll, I'll share next week. Um, that's a great question for next week. Uh, we did get quite a few questions and also some banter via QA or Q&A. So um, first, Noctis Actual asks at Seaguard, I hear you speak about ships or packs you buy with real money. As someone who's also purchased several ships, several, isn't that cute? No, <laughs> <laughs> several ships. I purchased several ships as well. <laughs> Seaguard's in a different game. <laughs> uh, several ships with my own money. I wanted to get your point of view of the ownership expectations of ships when Star Citizen finally launches. I see multiple points of view and even run into legal debate in an even ran into legal de, a legal debate in an old forum forum on the subject. The main question is, do you expect to quote unquote own the ship even in the scenario of letting ships that don't have LTI on them expire? But also, do you think that if a ship without LTI that was purchased with real money is let's say de destroyed or stolen game that player then loses it forever or will they be able to gain ownership like cij said they'll have something in place to reclaim other pledge items even if the player has to wait for them to reinsure the ship sorry for the long-winded question but seems to be a touchy subject in the community and even cig's pr team um, yeah what do you think so I, you know, I definitely, yeah, I have spent money. I, I actually started doing this because I, I, I had some other hobbies that were that were fairly expensive anyway. If you ever heard of forty Warhammer forty k, you know, I have half the Imperial Army and everything else in my closet from my son and my nephew and everyone else we used to play together. Um, great investment for building a family. There's no doubt about that. Uh, mm -hmm. But I got, had a bunch of magazine subscription I canceled and a bunch of other things. So I just said, well, I'm going to start putting into this game. Um, I'll, and I don't play golf. And I, you know, I, I'm just kind of a stay-at-home guy. I work and I stay at home. So I did spend a bunch of money. I, I'm, more than I would like, but both kids got paid off for college. They're, you know, they're all good. And, you know, my debts were paid. Uh, but there are occasions when I go, oh, that was really irresponsible, but... What the heck? Um, I, now, the reason I did it uh, is because I have never had the chance to really sit down and grind a game. I've always been a traveling uh, work guy, so I would travel Sunday through Thursday or Friday. And then before that, I was in the military. Um, I had even gone away remote for eight months at a time um, as a civilian, working like in Colorado from a hotel, uh, coming home once and once every month and a half. So. I don't have the time to sit down and buy the or to earn the ships in game. Um, so I, I said, this time I'm just going to get the ones I want and I'm going to play it the way I want it. 
Um, so I, I did splurge and over you know several years now I've spent you know a fair amount of money. Uh, but my other thing that's kind of different is I had never played with other people. Until I met Chekhov, mm-hmm. I had only been in one little group playing World of Warships. Um, and then Chekhov and I kind of met in about two, late 2019. And I realized I really like playing with other people. This is fun. And, yeah, we joined the we joined an org with two kids, literally, yeah. and I and I pulled Sigurd into it. I said, "Yeah, hey, why not?" And they were like literally yeah. like two sixteen-year-olds. They were never on, and then that's how we found Reed subsequently because yeah. as well, org is fun, but let's go find the good org. Yeah, and so and we ended up kind of bonding with a bunch of people. So, but my goal from the beginning has been to take on the challenge of playing with others mm-hmm. and I wanted to be able to play the bigger ships. So I, over time, I have focused my, my efforts on upgrading to larger and larger ships um, with the, with the intention that I would play in multiple systems and I would do all the industrial trades and less military. So I've kind of built my ships up. You know, I have a set of cargo haulers that I can split up over several systems. I have, you know, uh, a few bigger military ships. Um, I have a lot of mining stuff, you know, one of each. I don't have any duplicates. Uh, but, you know, I want to experience the whole game. And if I'm not playing on the ship, I want to be able to lend it to someone who isn't as fortunate to have the, the time and the money to spend and say, hey, go have fun. You know, I'll ride along and just watch or we'll all go out together and we'll do it. Um, I don't want to give anything to anybody, but I do want to you know, lend it to them. And I, that's a big thing for me if, if uh, CIG doesn't do that. Mm-hmm. I don't want to fly around on an Endeavor by myself, uh, but I would like to fly around with four or five other people who are really excited about being on a big ship and want to fly it and do everything else. It's a blast. Uh, yeah. So, so that's been my driving goal behind all of this. And uh, I have to say, given what I've spent and given the friends I've made, I, it's it's been a worthwhile investment. I have loved the game. I love the community. I watch the shows. I talk to guys every night on the U or on the Discord. We meet you guys all the time. It's you know the two guys I'm in here with tonight. Or tonight are some of my best friends. So I really really enjoy it. So I think for me it's the right thing right now. I don't want to go any more in any more money, but uh, I'm still getting suckered in like the rest. Of rest of everybody with my wallet gapping on a special day. So. Yeah. What what about you, Chekhov? Uh wait. I already, you know, cigarettes is such a long and uh I did, you know, I did heart, heartwarming speech. I already forgot what the question was. <laughs> uh if I could encapsulate it really quickly, it's um what do you expect from an LTI ship versus a non LTI ship? Um, but has been, you know, in either scenario, it's been bought with real money. What do I expect? It's kind of like if you, you know, lose uh, it, like can you lose it? Yeah, I, I lose know, it? I'll be honest with you. I've never really, I know everybody is really kind of stresses the whole LTI and the non LTI six months, to whatever, 10 years. I, you know, I ultimately don't think. Uh, that it's going to matter because there's going to be some kind of a mechanism that will allow us to buy additional insurance, just like we're upgrading weapons right now and 
it should it would not break us. So I, I'm not stressing the whole thing LTI versus not. Yeah. Uh, you know, of course you're gonna want to carry insurance because you're not gonna want to lose a ship. And and I don't think you will ever ever lose something that you paid hard dollars for. No. It may you won't. disappear and you ride through the game until you sort of recover it with some kind of a insurance claim or yeah. pay for insurance at that point, right? So that's why I'm, I don't really, at this point, because I, I, I don't know ultimately what this whole insurance means, you know, once the game goes live. Yeah. Um, I've heard, so first and foremost, just to to ease your mind, Noctis, it has been said numerous times, whether LTI or not, right? If you paid real money for it, you will always be able to have that ship. It might not be immediately available to you. You might have to do something in game in order to get it back, but you will not lose that asset. That is yours. Um, I have the sneaking suspicion they're going to make LTI more like a higher tier insurance um, or, you know, purchase ships have a, at least a basic level of insurance no matter what. And then you know, the amount of time that you have the insurance on the ship that's guaranteed might be an extended insurance. Either way, I don't think insurance is going to be as big a deal as it was in the past. And I I certainly don't think that LTI should give you any advantage of getting your ship back faster. No, I don't think it will. You know, when you lose an Endeavor or you lose a whole E, to me, that should be a, you know, a month-long process to get that back. Now, with LTI... That won't be the case. Yeah, I mean, you know, uh, you know, those big ships are investments, right? In the game, they're they're big, and you don't want to lose them because it's a part of the play. But an Aurora comes back in forty seconds. So what do I find myself flying around in all the time? And you guys laugh. I fly around in Auroras and Ro- and uh, and uh, Cor and Corays, you know, Miss Corays and things. Um, I do a lot of flying in those. So I think I think that. LTI, the only thing it does is guarantee you're going to get your ship back in a set amount of time. Yeah. That's all it is. Yeah. Um, I agree. Uh, Chase Manchu, a.k.a. Duke Nukem, said, how long until LEGO or RSI starts making kits to build? Mm-hmm. Oh, they already have kits out there. Yeah. Right? Yeah, what's the name yeah. of the company again? Can't remember. They look like pretty nice little kits. They're yeah, they have a Carrick, and I've been dying to, to get one. Um, it's called. Sorry, I'll tell you right now. So the model kits are built by, and I thought of it just as I was. Um, it's JR Fabrication. Yeah. Um, does kits, and right now on their site they have kits for. You can buy a Arrow. A Freelancer Max. There is the Carrick Expedition. The Freelancer um, model kit. Standard Carrick. A Dragonfly. A Tumbrel Cyclone TR. Tumble, uh, a Tumbrel Cyclone RC. Um, Freelancer cool. Dur. They sold out of the Grey Cat. Um, but yeah, that's... Uh, that's pretty much it. So they have quite a few, um, and they are officially licensed, and they look fantastic. So I can't wait to get one. Um, 
I wouldn't be shocked if they license them out to Lego either at some point. I would imagine after Squadron. Yeah. <laughs> I want to get uh, those those helmets. That's what I want. Those life size helmets I can get Iron Man or Darth Vader. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I would buy a venture helmet or something like that. Yeah, that would be cool. Um, Noctis Actual asks, would you agree stealth should be more evasive? I think the new upcoming illegal transport mission should pave the way for stealth transport ships or make the ship components more effective on any ship they're installed on. Like a freelancer, Max, with all stealth components should be um, ideal. Oh, like a freelancer, Max, with all stealth components should be ideal to evade the Navy ships with a stealth paint job. Is a real thing like... um, it's a real thing like a F-22 and F-35. Not full evasion, uh, just big significant reduction compared to others using default components. Uh, what do you say, Seekar? Do you agree? Uh, I think that stealth should have its advantages, but I think it also should have its disadvantages. Like, um, I definitely don't want any ships that are invisible. I hate that. You should always be able to see them with the naked eye uh, or with some kind of visual sensor. Um, but I do think it should have a gameplay that is fun, but mm-hmm. reasonably balanced. Like I um, if you're going to have massive engines on it, right, you have to shut down your engines or something to mask your signature. So maybe you got a small engine for cruising around in stealth. Um, mm-hmm. There's got to be trade-offs. You can't just have, you know, a military-grade fighter that just does everything, you know, being bought off the shelf. Clearly, the military is going to have better stuff than you can buy off the shelf. Yeah. What about you, Chekhov? Stealth? I know, yeah. Yeah, I know. Stealth. Uh, I remember when when uh, we did like a few PvPs and the people were very stealthy. I mean, it was very, very difficult. I mean, they were disappearing on you within five, you know, 3,000, 4,000. You know, and like I said, yeah, there's got to be a limit to that. I agree with Sigurd. You know, it can't be like, you know, invisible down to 500 and they beat on the blaster. You know, but yeah, this is definitely a cave. I'd, I'd love to. I, I haven't really experimented with stealth that much, but I, I will once it becomes uh, with all the components are really working. Right. Yeah. I, I mean, I would think like sensors being passive versus active, you know. That's a big, that's a real thing in real fighters, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, we should have an ability, like, for example, you should have like two sets of components, right? And one click of a button, you go all stealth, you know, because that would be practical for me. So if I'm fighting and I, let's say I'm in trouble and I, you know, I'm being, you know, bombarded by, you know, three, four different ships, I want to have ability to get away and go stealth. My guess would be stealth will be uh, so two things. If I'm going to guess what I think is going to be, I think stealth will not 100% work that way. Check off. I think stealth components have the ability to be more stealthy. But at the same time, I think what will happen is heat buildup will be important to maintain stealth. So um, if you start to radiate, additional heat because you're speeding up or you're, you know, you're turning on your weapons, you might get heat and become detected, right? You might have to leave your weapon shut off 
um, until you're ready to attack. Very similar, I think of it as like the expanse where it's like, all right, light up the PDCs and you know launch missiles, and then all of a sudden their stealth is gone. Um, on top of the fact that there's cross section and all the other ways that you can identify a ship, um, but just in terms of where stealth is going to be, I don't think it's going to be in the near near future because they did say that stealth is going to depend on physicalization of components. They're not going to they're not going to tweak it until they physicalize all the components. You know, it's um, I definitely like the idea. Of, you know, they were saying putting on a that, who's that again that was saying this? Uh, this this is Noctis actual. Yeah, I, I really like his um, comments about the paint. And I think it would be great to have modules you add and you get to a certain level of detectability, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then you add a paint, and that brings you down even further. And then you add passive sensors, you know, which may, in the, in, at the low end, may have really short ranges on them. Right? You may be able yeah. to target from 500 yards away or something. Um, you know, you combine these things to get there, and... You know, the average freighter would never have this stuff. But if you want to do smuggling or your bounty hunting or things like that, that, you know, that's that may be uh, something you do. Um, mm-hmm. You know, the other thing is that some of these aftermarket pods that you'd be adding or these mods, I think, could take be a trade off with weapons positions. Right. We do it all yeah. the time on jets. We take out a missile and we put on a lantern pod or something like that. So you take your, you know, your buccaneer and you say hey i i want to you know i want a better set of sensors and i'm going to add those to my right wing and i want to be able to jam radar or cross-section missiles i'm going to put it on my left missile pod you know there's got to be a balance to it yeah good idea on the the paint and these extra modules i think it's a good idea excellent um i um, what was I going to say? Uh, yeah, I, I agree. And, and the paint thing is actually a cool idea. Uh, I was actually just going to continue on. <laughs> That's why yeah. I distracted myself. Uh, Noctis actual has one more question and, uh, Noctis, no, you can ask as many questions as you want. He said, please let me limit, but we, we, you can ask away. Um, his next question is about server meshing. I don't understand how it will scale. An example I want to put forth is if player A puts a pistol down on the floor and let's say one of Microtech's trees while on server mesh A, then player B is going on server mesh B, um, places his ship down by the same tree. Will all servers and server meshes sync? Will both just appear next to each other so other random players on other servers to see? Or will the server mesh record record follow players around i can see items just flooding the servers and overloading them if items stay too long potentially millions of players playing at once might be denial of service themselves uh thoughts um i think so some folks have responded in the message why don't we take a crack at it first and then we'll go through the responses um Tigar, do you want to take a crack yeah um so let's get to the point where he says if another per- you put down a pistol next to a tree and then someone else puts a ship down next to that same tree on diff- on a diff- from a different server, um, both items would be visible to the people standing there. It would never draw for the others that are not near enough to see it. Yeah. 
uh, when it, when you move to a certain distance from your current position, it's going to, the server you're on is going to check this database and see what's been put there from other servers. Mm-hmm. You know, so if, if everyone put down something at that tree and then left, and then one person logged on and you said, go to that tree, there would be something there from each of those people that matches what they put there because it would be stored in the database and the, and the it would send down the information to that player's server so he could they could draw it on this on the floor yeah so um and if i could equate noctis there's two different sort of versions of server meshing so what you're describing is sort of the way noctis that static server meshing will look um but the end goal with dynamic server meshing is that that one tree where you put the pistol down is always on the same server um, or, you know, it's, it's mapped to the same place so that anyone going to that tree is in the same server. Um, the, the concept of um, what they're looking for is, is servers represent locales. So if you look at the current state of the game, every time, a server reaches a player limit, new servers spin up when new players join the game so that they can join an instance of the entire PU. In the future, locations of the PU will be mapped to server locations that can dynamically scale in size to support larger populations of players and assets as needed um, and will only shard off into separate servers or instances of, of the location when it's too populous. So uh, that way the servers are balancing the load across many, many, many different servers instead of just one server holding everything. That's, the, that's why they, they anticipate server meshing once it's actually finalized in a real high-quality production state will relieve a lot of some of the headaches that we have today, including with AI behavior. Um, that's just my assumption Static server meshing, I'm not 100% sure, but I think uh, if I'm not mistaken, someone answers it a little bit. It is complex. It has to do with the replication layer and server shards. That might be region. I can tell you how this is going to work in this simple exercise. So you go to a place and you park your ship and you put down your pistol. And then Chekhov and myself and Geeky on Geeky's carrot show up. And we're going to land next to that same tree. So what's going to happen is your server is going to see us. It's going to draw us. Chekhov's going to come out, shoot you, and take all your stuff off your body. I'll take the pistol, and then we'll both get on the ship, and we'll drive away. That's how it's going to work. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> we're not very good at this. We don't know how to do this. See, that's fine. My understanding of the long term, though, is I think in in static server meshing, that is correct. Um, But I thought, at least my understanding is, unless something's changed, with dynamic server meshing and with, you know, minimal shards in terms of regional shards, um, the idea is as long as we're in the same regional shard, we could start off leaving from server A which is located at Port Tressler um, and then some of the surrounding space area, right? It's because it's based on object containers. 
and dynamically yeah. scaling those based on what's in the container. And say you placed it on a moon of uh, Microtech, um, if that's a different server, we will cross into the server where your actual pistol is located. And so while we didn't inhabit the same server because we were in a different location in the game, we now inhabit the same server. Yeah. Um, however, if a thousand other players also went to your pistol, um, that location around the tree on that moon will become either its own server or if it's too heavy of a load on that server, will split up into multiple meshes and do exactly the same thing that Seaguard was talking about before. So once you get a certain draw distance away, then it'll draw, but up until that point, it won't. Yeah. Good question. It's a good, uh, good question, though. Yeah. Uh, let's good. go through. Um, all right. So, are you losing my mindset? I'm not a host, and they may be able to answer just as well, if not better. But I've read a lot and watched all the presentations. If I'm stepping on toes, please delete or don't read. Uh, I don't have a problem reading, so um, I think mm -hmm. we should. It sounds great to hear. Because it is something that's hard to wrap our heads around. So he said, when you set a pistol down, the pistol is removed from the server because it's no longer needed. This is once you walk away, um, by the way. But all of its data, its exact location, its appearance, where color is copied to the replication layer. No rendering or simulation takes place on the repli replication layer. It's just kind of a list of every item and where it's located. So it's not very resource intensive. As for the servers, a mesh is two or more servers that are connected. The servers are updated by the replication layer. When tier one server meshing or static server meshing is released, a server will be responsible for one area. Everyone in that area is on that server. Like now, there will be limits to how many people will be able to be there before that server is instanced. Dynamic server meshing will hopefully allow two or more servers to be controlling the same area, but each server controls a certain number of entities within that area. area. Server one controls player A, server two controls player B, server uh, tracks and simulates everything player A does. Server two tracks uh, gets updates from server one about player A so that player B can see the effects of what player A has been doing. Where it gets tricky is when, play when player... Where it gets tricky is when player A directly interacts with player B. If player A gets into a position where he or she is capable of interacting directly with player B, then server one will transfer player A to server two so that they can interact. If server two is already full, they will spin up server three and put players A and B in server three, then transfer them back when they are no longer in a position to influence one another. Static server meshing is the player transfer server is that the player transfers servers based on his location while dynamic server meshing is transferring players into and out of servers based on who they are or, or who they can be interacting with. That's a bit oversimplified, but hopefully not incorrect. I think that's actually a perfect way that, to describe it. That sounds pretty, I would say, yeah, I'm not super technical at all. In fact, but somewhere I, in there, you take back our ship and kill both me and Chekhov. That's, exactly. That's, yeah, that's the other that's, part. That's exactly. <laughs> I, I mean, this is exactly the way it would work. I, I yeah. think, or at least the intended yeah. way it's going to work, and that's why they their goal is to create one ginormous um, server. The problem is 
they don't think with regional ping, it's going to be possible to have everyone in one ginormous mesh. And so they might have to split it up to three or four um, meshed sets of servers. Um, Would it be cool to have a region on the system? Like you're in Australia, so you end up in XYZ system, you know, one, two, and three. You're in North yeah. America, you know, you get five systems you can start in. And yeah. then uh, you kind of cross over. I was, I was also thinking, you know, we don't hear anything about increasing the performance of a specific server by adding more CPUs and more RAM on the fly. Um, yeah. More processors, basically virtual. Um, yeah, exactly. I'm sure that'll be a factor in there too. Yeah, 100%. Uh, and then Noctis Actual followed up with, thanks for that. The only follow-up I have is, if you and me are playing on server mesh A, we leave two ships side by side in the same location. We then fly off and log out. When we both log back in on different or sim on different or similar times without being in a party, and you are now on server mesh B while I'm on server mesh C, will we both see both ships? If you and me both blew up each other's ship without being in the same mesh, will it blow up mine too, even though I can't see you? I'm asking these types of questions because the tech is new and interesting, but trying to figure out the logic. Um, and it's also fun to understand. I also wonder how scavenging will work from player ships. Um, they were never plan that were never playing on the same server mesh or if it won't. Um, Noctis, uh, the, the description that are you using in your mind uh, applies to this as well, because um, the replication layer replicates everything that happens on all servers once the state is left. So when you leave your ship and you move away from the ship, the ship is then mapped to the replication layer. So both ships are mapped to the replication layer. And so the replication layer will then spin those back up when you reach that destination. And then likewise, if you're on different servers, um, you if you show up at the location at the same time, you will eventually end up on the same server if you need to interact with one another. Um, so are you losing my mindset just as a, it's probably exactly the same, but, or, you know, his way of saying it, everything's copied to the replication layer and the replication layer updates all of the servers and the replication layer is constantly updated. So even if you don't leave and the server crashes, the replication layer pushes the location of your ship out to any server that needs that information, whether it be your server because you're logging back in or it be someone else's server because they're passing by a ship you left on the surface while you went in to do a bunker mission. All servers copy the location of items, ships, and entities to the replication layer, and the replication layer pushes the information about those items to any and all servers that need them. Um, and Noctis, just to explain a little bit more, the replicate, think of the le replication layer as a ledger that keeps track of items. So it's literally the list of all things left anywhere. Um, and it it uh, is only used when it needs to hold information, and then it puts that information on the server when it needs it. Um, so it's a way of offloading entities when you're not in proximity of them. It's it's the land of misfit toys. It is the land of mis misfit toys. <laughs> I want to be uh, a dentist. Call <laughs> <laughs> uh, me Cordelius. <laughs> I uh, we did get a text question this week from doomed to fail I don't know if it's the same doomed to fail 
um, who was in our Discord the other right day. Now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm sure. uh, he. He said, hey, just wanted to say I've been loving listening to your podcast while painting the house, driving, working out, and other times it's honestly calming. You're welcome. It must just be our smooth voices. (laughs) I have a couple of questions if you don't mind. It's my accent. Yeah. (laughs) It's the accent for sure. Very soothing. He loves being asleep all the time. He sings Michael (laughs) Bublé songs all the time. It's amazing. Birds flying high. Goodness, how I feel. <laughs> Sun in the sky. You'll know how I feel. I don't know why I'm doing a lot of ha ha. That's a little too much. <laughs> anyway. That's more like fly me to the moon. <laughs> yeah, see? There you go. There you go. Oh, so Frank Sinatra more? Yeah. That's I'm his crooner of choice. Uh, yeah. Uh, so he asked, first off, when do you think fleet carriers will be released into the game? I fly a Gladius, and it is my dream to be a fighter pilot who gets deployed during combat on a carrier. Squadron 42. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Probably the answer. Yeah. I, I mean, the Idris, the Idris is in squadron. The Javelin, which only carries one ship, is in squadron. And the Bengals and Squadron. Um, so who knows how far after Squadron that the Idris will come in game? I'm I'm assuming pretty close after. Yeah. Um, his second question is quite interesting. Uh, what exactly is server meshing? Correct me if I'm wrong, mm-hmm. but is it integration of different servers together? For example, the unnoticeable transition from what uh, of players from one server to another. Um, yes. See note above. Yeah, and and if if I could say it in another way, it's not just players. It's it's the ability of servers to take an object container. So an object container is anything as small as a box, you know, a single SCU box, all the way up until you know an entire system, and dynamically scale the number of servers that handle that container based on the number of entities in that container. So. Like if there's a a large combat, um, you know, large battle taking place outside of, um, you know, uh, you know, kind of outside of a space station, um, based on the population of that, there may be one server handling the space station and that or and or everything from the space station down to the planet and then two servers handling the space combat and moving players between the two based on their proximity within the the field of combat um that's how it's supposed to work and then once people start to die off the server might scale down a little bit because it doesn't need that much or it might have to stay up because there's so many um blown up ships that those entities are still server hungry until people move away from that space and those those ships become part of the replication layer to be uh, sort of like a, a ship graveyard afterwards. Uh, so that's sort of a way to describe it. Oh, so here's one more tip. This is just something <laughs> personal because uh, uh, I know it's out of place, but I Check finally... I finally have a ship. I just purchased Cutlass Black. This is the only ship 
where because uh, I have an ultra wide monitor that I see every single MFT on my screen. One, two, three, four, five, six, uh, seven of them. D one and only so far in the game. Out of I'm all surprised. the ones that I've tried. Wow. That's good. Yeah. Oh, it's great. I, I you know normally I only get like two. Good for you, Chekhov. Um, any other comments on uh, Doom to Fail's question of server meshing? I feel like we've I think we exhausted it, unless anyone has anything else to say. <laughs> um, excellent. Well, if you do have any questions, if you want to answer our questions, if you want to say, hey, this podcast stinks, or this is great, feel free to uh, communicate with us on one of a plethora of uh, locations. First and foremost, our old email address, readcastsc at gmail.com. You could DM our Twitter handle at citizencastsc. You could submit a message through Anchor. Uh, you could join our Discord and, and uh, one, engage with the broader community there, as well as um, we have different sections uh, for each of the different topic areas that we cover, uh, which by the way, Seagard, you posted your question in the Q and a and not in Seagard's question. Um, okay. I'll move it. And then last but not least, you could text good, us for Q and a catch though. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't automated too. It was manual QA. Uh, you could text us or leave a voicemail at our Google voice number, six, four, six, seven, eight, three, eight, one, five, four. Um, if you are out there looking for a crew or, uh, or an org or simply looking to find people to socialize with or, or hang out with uh, in between your solo sessions or even just to build partnerships in game, uh, check out the community over at Parlay House, uh, brilliantly launched by Seaguard himself. Um, nah, not by a, myself. Well, it was pretty much it was you. A- it was uh, someone who was thinking he was on his own in a desperate attempt to have friends. Uh, uh, he went to herself. Right. Save he me. thought he was uh, uh, kind of exiled to figure, you know, like yeah, see if anybody will come and chat. Yeah, so no, yeah, you guys. He went and, and then crumbled an org. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, it is a neutral zone where all, players of all types can hang out. So if you're a pirate but want to meet some explorers, if you're a trader and you want to meet some pirates, or you're just looking to have a good time, uh, check it out. A link to the yeah. Discord is in the show notes. Uh, and we do have a bounty of friends of the show who are also fellow content creators. So don't forget to watch the YouTube videos of Snorkel, uh, Earth, and Undead Pirate. Um, some great content there. I finally added Undead Pirate's link in our show notes, so you can still you can find it now. Uh, as well as listen to the music that Admiral Cody and Calibri have created, uh, inspired by Star Citizen, as well as... Um, the music that you hear in our, our episodes links to their uh, music can be found below as well. And that fellow citizens. Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, um, <clears throat> it just to reiterate what you said about coming down and going to parlay house. So we've had a flurry, obviously since the, uh, uh, the Invictus. I mean, we, you know, and I've just, I happen to be looking at general chat and it's uh, just kind of officially say hi to Animu, Duke Nukem, uh, Big 
Adip McJunkin, um, and Jar Jar Jabroni. We've had um, <laughs> I uh, love that. Jar Jar Jabroni. I think that's a good one. Uh, we also had the other day. Uh, let's see. We had um, Doom. Uh, what was it? We just had his question. Um, Doom. Um, Doom fails. Doom to fail. Doom to fail. Um, then we had. Oh, I'm trying to think of the other. Well, we we've had several. So if I've missed anyone, I know I have missed three or four. Um, you know, glad to have you guys show up. It it just is. You can talk to those guys. It just is a place to hang out. There's no obligation. Uh, just in you know, pick a channel or hang out with everybody and just communicate. No one's offended. So uh, you're all welcome, and we love to help new guys get started, new guys and gals. So uh, that's the, the last pitch. So. All righty. Excellent. Uh, well, fellow citizens, that wraps up another episode of Citizen Cast. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll catch you next week. Yay. Yay. I believe it an hour and a half. Yes, it's been a while, you know? Yeah. An hour and a half. We did it in two weeks in a row. I mean, what is this, a trend now? Well, I think it is. A, I think it is. We'll see. I think uh, it is. Anyone excited to see the newest installment of the Jurassic Park I series am. this weekend? I am. I want to see the movie the way for come out. I, for one, am very excited. I was like the series. I was watching, uh, I, I just watched that new one with um, Harry Potter's Harry Potter. Oh, yeah. yeah. yeah that was Potter. good. Yeah. It was really good. Harry Potter sounds like... I know. Oh yeah, I want to see Herbie Mobius Park. also. Oh okay, that's a. I heard it's not that good. Oh really? Damn. Yeah. What are you gonna do, Harry Potter?